Welcome to Podcast 29. Wow, nice and loud. Hello. This is what happens when you have a professional here. Of course, we have uh, Chris Hayes from Hayes Data, ShoutEngine.com. We are live from MagnaFlow booth. It uh, doesn't matter where we are. Oh, yeah, maybe. No requirement? Fine. MagnaFlow booth at the SEMA 2015 show. We have a stacked crew here. Uh, of course, to my stacked. stacked. Wow. Very sexy. Thank you. Yes. Uh, to the left, we have Jason Rose. Say hello, Jason. Hello, Jason. There you go. <laughs> I, didn't I do that the last you time? Did that, you do that every time. Uh, I set you up. I put it right up on the tee. Sorry. Unplug his mic, please. You, you know how many people just like listened and went like, oh, jeez. Oh, gosh. Another one of these. Yes. To your left, a newcomer, Dylan Von Kleist. That's, you actually said it correctly. I'm oh, my shocked. gosh. That's crazy. I got to come I, uh, up. But I was I was saying, Dylan, I, I knew your name, but I was trying to say something funny. Like I said, Stupa Loops to Mike Stoops, <laughs> and then I couldn't come up with anything. Uh, what happened? No microphone? No headphones? No, He's got no headphones over there. No volume. No volume. No volume. No, it just disappeared. So Dylan is now with uh, Rupes. Rupes. Close enough. Rupes. I've, seen, I've seen you pronounce it 50 times. Yes. And, and only one of them was correct. So. The, well, close enough. <laughs> Jason and Dylan both with uh, Rupes, so that's pretty cool. And then, of course, uh, we're monkeying around with the microphones right now. We have oh, you turn it down. Derek oh, Bemis. I can hear him. Can you hear me? Everything's hear good? It's just quiet. Just quieter? Yeah. That's a good thing. Maybe I'll just yell at you. Especially with that introduction. Wow. Woo. All right, Derek Bemis, say hello. Hello, everyone. All right. That's about as much as we have from Derek. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for coming. Kevin Brown. Hello. Downtown Julie Brown. That's right. Yes. How are you doing? Happy to be here. Yes. Thank you for inviting me again. You want to do me a favor and talk into the microphone and not at me? Thank you for inviting me again. Oh, all right. Hey, there you are. Nice and loud. Thank you. All right. So 2015 SEMA show. As <laughs> Thank you. It's like your first time at karaoke. Yes. 2015 SEMA show is uh, bigger and badder than ever. Um, lots and lots of cars, as always. But uh, I want to hear you guys' perspective on the, the detailer uh, section. It's usually in the North Hall. Um, I think there's something else, like a newcomer to the detailing. Don't they go in the South Hall or something? Yeah. They, they put them everywhere. I mean, it's it, you walk the show, they're concentrated in the North Hall. But, I mean, there's it's yeah. like no other year I've I wish we, before. yeah. I, I need to go look at some other, like, newcomers or whatever. But they're so randomly put everywhere you don't want to well, i can t- i can tell you this for sure in the 21 years that i've been going to the sema show the this this event this year in 2015 mm-hmm. i've seen more detailers here at this event than i've ever seen yeah because you have like little detailing parties afterwards yeah and, you know, little, like, little little uh, well I, I shouldn't say <laughs> there's a hundred uh, you know a hundred detailers so like, people yeah. yeah it's quite remarkable actually it's pretty cool um so a little bit later into the podcast we're going to talk about some of the new cool treats that you have and we'll talk about the recap on the video and a lot of comments on the videos which yeah. is uh which is good i think it'll be helpful to clear a few things up and, and and help some people who are viewing it and then of course derek and the team so derek and uh you, you over here shiny um that's your new name we're calling you shiny, shiny. Uh, are doing the, uh, the the same video that we shot before, where you guys are doing. How many cars have you done so far? Uh, we did seventy three this seventy three this uh, year in the Ford booth, Ford out front. How many days? Um, three days. Three days, seventy three cars. Yep, seventy three. That's like my average. Well, I thought when it was thirty six. By myself. That's only in the booth. Oh, I'm counting all of them. Yeah, H and R, Ford, the two in the Meguiar's booth, the Ford out front. Got quite a bit. Yes, and then uh, yesterday, the first time in, what, 72 years, I believe, it rained here? And hailed. And hailed. hailed, Yes. When I left New York, it was 72 degrees, literally. 
and beautiful. And it's all nice at home. And you know, New York is miserable in the winter, in the fall, I think. Mm. And I come out to the desert, and it's 50 degrees, no, it windy, and raining. Yeah. And on the television, it said winter weather advisory. And I went, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, man. <laughs> winter weather advisory. What a joke. That made our, you don't know anything about winter. No, no, not at all. Oh, yeah, that's right, Colorado. Right? Yeah, that so, made our prep work real interesting. So what did you guys have to do? Well, we ended up getting everything ready to go. The day of the show, it opens up. We had to kind of redo everything again because it was wet. The conditioner's all gone. You know, it was a lot of work. So you get double the pay, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you, Mr. Brown? I'm going to put you directly in the spot. Is there anything you'd like to say to millions of people listening right now? Hello. Oh, pff, genius. No. Moving on. <laughs> They've got the momentum over at the Rupes booth. Yes, the they do. is busy. All the booths are very busy. Just like Jason said, that it's it seems to be one of the focal interests at SEMA. Well, they have this amazing like guest appearance guy or what? I don't know what it is, but there's some yeah, amazing some buzz going. Guy. You think God, that has anything to do with this? At autographs, all? I believe. Oh my god! You think you've had an impact? Any percentage no, of this? No, not at all. I've, I've heard them negatively. I think you have. I, I had a few. I had a few people. <laughs> a few people came over and asked, "Who is that guy?" <laughs> well, I, I think you got to take. Some I'm the guy who's vacuuming for the, the change. Good. You should. Good. Take it. I should take it. Yeah. I'm now the president and CEO of Rupes. Uh, this of, is the announcement. Of, of the Jason, you're fired. Dylan, you're the president. Thank you. I appreciate the promotion. All right, so tell me about this new machine that I didn't even know about until we showed up, which is pretty cool. It looks uh, like a massive toothbrush for those of us who are not <laughs> seeing it live. Actually, more, more versatile than a toothbrush. Yes. The, to- the, uh, the tool is called the Bigfoot Nano mm-hmm. with hybrid technology. That's actually filter. really funny, Bigfoot Nano. It is. is. That, oh. It's the, it's it's the biggest or the littlest Bigfoot you've little, ever seen. Little it's true. Bigfoot. I mean, for like I said, for lack of a better word, it looks like a big toothbrush yeah. that, that kind of shape I mean obviously it's not a toothbrush but you know what I mean yeah. for people listening like, what, does it look like another 21 with a different handle or something no it's more it's more like a little ratchet kind of thing uh-huh. I don't know how to describe the thing over the but the intention <laughs> the intention is a tool to go after um, edge work and tight areas hard to reach areas headlights uh, A-pillars um, mirror housings things like that that's, All right. that's the strength of this tool uh, but it's also very versatile in that this one tool can actually be like three-in-one. There's a rotary function, uh, a dual-action random orbital function, and, and two different orbits. So and how is that How is that actually done? Yeah, you change the uh, the head uh, of the tool out, just like, you know, toothbrush attachments, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I just heard an Italian fall. Oops. Someone just passed out. Yeah, we were in the other room, in the other <laughs> hall. <It's> like, <laughs> we liked Larry, but no more. No more. <laughs> <laughs> I hate his podcast. <laughs> we are not the toothbrush. <laughs> so tell me, give me a little more of the engine, like give me the so nerdy the, part. The the nutty part and the thing that people are freaking out about is they walk up and they see this thing. It's There's no cord running into it. Battery operated. Oh, my God. Battery operated. How long does it run? 30 minutes and they kind of roll their eyes. And I go, well, but check this out. Unplug the battery and there's a cord pack that attaches to it. You run the thing in full corded mode, unlimited power, run it as long as you want. So you have two operations on top of having the three different types of movement built into it. Um, and it's all designed under this premise of you configure the tool to the job, whatever you need it to do. If you need a wireless tool that does 12 millimeter orbit, you've got it for 30 minutes. So you want to bush uh, or, uh, you know, use it as a brush, clean an interior, put a pad on it, and buff out the the wood trim in the interior. Um, we don't want to be dragging. Oh, a cord that's through. a good one. Um, polishing wheels. And the the funny thing is, and I keep saying it to the uh, to the engineers, is that this came to the show with a very specific. We had these kind of ideas of what it would do, 
as we've presented it to people, a lot of guys are coming up with concepts for it that we hadn't thought of. And like we're what? Going, uh, well, I mean, the guys who are out there doing touch-up work with paint, they this is amazing. I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna fill a chip. I'm gonna throw that one-inch sanding head on there, three mils. I'm gonna zip that thing down, and then I'm gonna polish it out. I, mean, I don't need yeah. to do anything yeah, else. Yeah. Like everything in yeah. one one tool, and I can recharge it. You know, as many times as I need to out in the field. I don't need to drag a cord out from a building or run a generator. Or if uh, you're mobile, yeah. Yeah, imagine really you're mobile. doing that in a parking lot or like a dealership parking lot. You're spot, you know. Yeah, fixing stuff. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's going to be a fantastic tool for interiors. Yeah, I mean, think about you all should the see the little brush. That's what I said. Who was I talking yeah. to? I was talking yeah. to you. I looked at that brush. I'm like, oh baby, that's going to be my yeah. signature brush. Yeah, that's going to be cool. A little well, tight yeah. areas. And Derek, Derek, the other thing I thought of is when when you and I were stuffed in the engine compartment, you know, oh. at Chip Foose's place. This is this oh. is a great tool for the frame rails for doing. We're doing the imposter, kind of, and it's actually torquey. Like yeah. I thought, okay, cool. It looks like a toothbrush. Fine, but like you put like a tiny bit of pressure on it. And, uh, I thought it was gonna. It, I, it was going. Yeah, that it, thing it works. It, 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 it'll hum through. It's. Um, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. We've been playing with it and trying to make it stall out. I mean, you can. I mean, obviously, it's still a small tool, but excessively, um, you know, putting pressure down in in proper use. But uh, it's been extremely well received. I was excited. I was more excited about it than the Mark II, and I couldn't tell you about it. So. Uh, yeah, Larry knows about the Mark II. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> he knows about that, but not <laughs> everything. <laughs> oh, 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 looks like the microphone went out, and we're, we're done with the Roops uh, plugging. No, okay. <laughs> uh, so with uh, <laughs> with our video that went uh, that went uh, live, I don't know, two weeks ago, we got 50,000 views or something, um, the trip to Italy, which is really cool and fun. Uh, I think we've talked about that a bunch. But I wanted to kind of loop back around and talk about a lot of the comments, sort of a common theme and then uh, bounce it off you guys and let you kind of figure out how to answer this the right way. But the common thing that I kept seeing, and I look at the the um, the comments and wish that I would have done the video, maybe I, I would have done things differently, in that uh, I didn't uh, express that. I thought I expressed it. You said that I did it when I talked about a, a razor blade going to, uh, from a razor blade to a scalpel. Yeah. I Excellent. thought that was good, yeah. but I guess it wasn't as clear as it could have been. Where people are basically saying this, the bottom line is this. They say, okay, now there's more power. That means we're going to burn through the paint. Oh. And so, like, why isn't it? And I know this is a touchy back and forth, and you guys do whatever you got to do. But, oh, I guess it's a flex at this point. And I was like, no. Oh, you're right. I did get that comment in the booth today, actually. Um, Isn't this just a flex? And so break down the the difference. And, again, we're being nice and, and we're never rude and blah, blah, blah. There is a difference between the two of them. One, one isn't right, one isn't wrong, and both great polishers, fine, whatever. Well, basically, the the two tools are in the category of a dual-action random orbital, and that's still the case. So uh, all the benefits and the, the reduced risk compared to rotary, it's still it's still there. All the safety features of a DA are still in this Mark II tool. All it simply means is it's got a little more power to power through rotations on curves. That's the major difference. And so give me like percentage wise of them i can't tell you the emails so how much easier is it i'm trying to choose my words carefully how much easier is it to burn through the paint with a mark ii than a mark gen a gen one and i'm like how much easier is it to to burn burn through the paint with with the new machine how much easier is it to go through the paint now than with the old one like how much more how much more caution do i need to use with the new one and i was like i I didn't even think. I don't think I don't, that way. I don't, yeah, it's unquantifable, really. I mean, you're, you're talking about something that's completely safe and is still completely safe. There's yeah. not a. I mean, it, it, we're talking misuse levels. We're talking 
intention. I, I want to see what my primer looks like. Let me hold this polisher here for the next 35 minutes and see what happens. I mean, it's on an edge. Uh, it's it, 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 the the fear of this is is. Uh, I would say unfounded. the increase in danger is unquantifiable. Yeah, is that a fair yeah statement? I mean, because people are just petrified. Okay, now we got more power. I guess it's just like a rotary. I'm terrified. I don't want to use a rotary. I I was flabbergasted when I got those those emails and questions. So I wonder what these people do when they buy a car with more horsepower. Are they instantly afraid that they're going to drive it into a wall. Um, well, you have to drive it floored, right? Oh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Good analogy. Yes. So um, very cool. So you have anything else? Uh, yeah, I don't uh, look at, at the Mark II as increasing risk or increasing the dangers to the user. I I don't look at it that way. I really, I really think it's improving performance a little bit, but not. I think, know, it, I think sometimes it maybe I, I can feel Kevin burning a hole in the back of my head, but uh, I feel like I have to tilt it less to make it. It's, yeah. it's. I've been telling people it's less technique dependent. Um, I don't think anybody is around right now at this table has used a Mark One or Legacy tool, I should say, and had an issue with the rotation that's so well documented. Not a major issue. You mm-hmm. can adjust for it with technique. Sure. Um, the the Mark II tool is for lack of a better term, more amateur-friendly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, newcomer-friendly, you're not as technique-dependent. You can be a little bit of a, you know, I'm, I'm learning, and it's still going to get through mm-hmm. those curves with the additional torque that it's got. So the bottom line is, uh, yes or no, will the pe- will the machine stall under load when you're in a danger area? Oh, sure. You can you can stall it. Enough pressure, enough angle, you can definitely stall. Enough I think, curve. I think yeah. I, if I had covered that in the video, I think it would have been... Oh, I yeah. see what you're saying. You Balance see what I'm saying? With the, yeah. You don't almost have to go excessive, but it, it is possible, theoretically. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm... You see where I'm, yeah, yeah. Where I'm going at? Yeah. And I, I just... I, I, if I had thought of that, usually I think when I'm making a video, like, hey, where are the points where I'm going to stumble, where there's going to be questions unanswered with this video? Yeah. And that one came out of just totally left field for me so i want to make sure that i'm hammering this home that yes there is a difference but it's you know we didn't go from you know dual action to rotary in one yeah, step right so well ladies and gentlemen this concludes the rupus podcast <laughs> well no, no it's, uh, listen the people ask a lot of questions you know i want to answer the questions. i don't care what we talk about so i guess the point larry is you just got to up your game on your video apparently uh... apparently they're stinking right now <laughs> unbelievable so what are your thoughts mr mr brown yeah, there's there could be potentially more danger. You think there could be more yeah. danger? If you have if you have a problem with your technique, which is what most of the problem is with the original machine, and we've always discussed that, and you're getting no rotation, and then now you get the new machine and you're getting 10 turns per second, 600 RPM of rotary action, why would you not have more potential. Well, no, but that by itself is not the danger. If it if it's combined with heavy pressure and you know that well, slow just, passes, then yeah, right. it can be. So yes, but that's true. But that's true of any tool, actually. That's right. Yeah. So it's it's true with this tool as well. So exactly. you still have to be diligent in your procedures. Oh, yeah. okay. I get what you're saying. It's, yeah. it's true yeah. with any tool. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Correct. Got it. Yeah. Don't yeah. give it to your two year old and tell them to buff your car. That's <laughs> as opposed to like an old PC, like the actual PC, where it's not really. There's no orbit, Absolutely. really. Yeah, almost you know, no 21 millimeter. Because mm-hmm. I think what's really fascinating, and people tend to forget, is that even if it's not spinning with this large orbit, you're still doing still work. Getting it's work. still done. getting work done. Yeah. Th- yeah. That took a long time for me to even understand. Because I've been trained, you know, you put the little black line on and the Watch thing, the line. It, watch the line. If it's not spinning, it's not spinning. And so, you know, I wish I would have covered that again. Man, I'm really ripping apart my damn videos right now. <laughs> Scrap, <laughs> I would have covered that in the video. Scrap them all. Start over. Yes. 
But I do like what Kevin said there because um, it, it, their procedure is something that Kevin's very, very focused on because it makes a difference on results. And for a technique such as, let's describe it, heavy pressure, slow arm speed, high tool speed, you know, that combination in one spot on, on, a, on a curve or a, a peak of, on, a, on a panel, you know. An edge, yeah. Yeah, with, with any tool, that's going to be a more aggressive approach. From an engineering perspective, just on a pure engineering perspective, on an edge, on a tip, on a, what the, all the things that Jason just said, what's actually happening? Why, does it, why do you have an increased, even if it's very simple, why do you have an increased risk of burning through something on a peak? Well, you described it in your NXT video a couple of years ago when you were showing how a rotary, you like to slide off an edge and not cut into the edge. Sure. And if a guy's bearing down and he's got stall, um, he's, and you then add in rotation, it's going to be digging in the edge. So I can, I can envision that. I just was doing that three days ago on, on a very very scary section on a truck we were touching up and describe I, that because i think people are interested to well, describe what the problem a, was and what you were doing to well, fix there it there was some deep scratches on the edge of a fender on a chevy truck and uh, for sema yeah yes. for SEMA. okay very what kind of truck uh 70s the c10 70s yeah 70s what okay. color was the car dark blue dark blue there was what what level of scratching standing marks right at the top of the fender where it meets the hood normally okay so okay so Move, right to the edge. Right to the right yeah, on the, right edge. the edge. Which is we learned yeah. what we're not really supposed to sand all the right. way to the edge. Is that right? I Correct. believe I believe I saw that in the Derek Bemis video made yep, by right. Ammo right. Exactly right. So in that <laughs> case, you use a lot of rotary action. Yes. You, you bump the speed up and lighten up the pressure and use the random orbital. I was using a, a Legacy Twenty One, and use it more as a rotary. You get you want the pad rotation on the edge. On the edge, and but you know, moving it rapidly with light pressure, back and forth, back and forth, whittling. Check your work, and um, yeah, we got it. It out. worked out really nice. No problem. It, but back to technique. It was technique. It's 100%. technique. But could you have gotten away with that if you did a two-inch rotary on that? Yeah. So you were mimicking the two-inch rotary with the twenty-one mm-hmm. by the making the sure that it, it was actually rotating at that point and right. not just. Because I remember you were saying when we do an edge, instead of karate chopping it, that's when you would pull out. Right, but in this case, it, w- it had to roll off because if it conformed to the edge of that fender, we would have very likely it would cut have been gone. Yeah. I mean, those, that was the remaining sanding marks. Somebody already sanded that whole fender and buffed it out and, and left those. Oh. So it had already been sanded flat and smooth, very reflective, very accurate reflection. So it already was smooth. And so what, like, what did it look like? It was just like... It looked like straight, deep scratches. Okay. So, and then, so give me more. Like, what did you do besides the pro- like, what product? Well, did you- I used the microfiber discs to mimic basically a really short string wool pad. Used 205, bumped the speed up, light pressure, and moved back and forth on it, maybe an inch back and forth, and checked the work a lot. So. Yeah, that, the, the truck didn't have much paint on it. Yeah, I didn't want it to conform. I couldn't see the edge if I let it conform over and do its random orbital action. So, On a show car, the, the ones that you do, Derek, what, what kind of paint depth are we talking about? What's a standard paint depth? It varies. I mean... It's more than stock or less than stock? Oh, like, much more than stock. Uh, this particular painter, we... well, It was we, very we, fresh, too. You could still smell the solvent. Solvent's coming out. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Oh, it was... You guys are enjoying yourself when you're doing that. Yeah. But typically, (laughs) you know, four or five mils is, I would say, the average. Yeah. Isn't that what a typical stock, regular street car is? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. 
Right. So a show car is the same thing. I thought show car had like, you know, 20 mils or whatever. Well, they, Some of them do. They can. Yeah. Some of them do. Yeah. They vary so much, but on average, you know, five, six, seven. That's where you want to be. We that's like a that's lot the more sweet material. spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so then we're going down a rat hole here, but I think it's cool. What's, so then what's the difference between a stock paint job? And a super paint job that you pay thirty thousand dollars for. Like, give me what? Oh, well, Larry, it it, it bakes for three weeks. I, whatever. The difference is about twenty nine thousand. <laughs> right. <laughs> the labor involved in the process and the steps in between well, each coat. Yeah. A factory what, paint is applied one coat, generally a primer, one coat of base, one coat of clear. And then down the line and the out the door. Kind of thing. might shoot yeah. the base coat, block sand it to well, get rid of any debris, or yeah. to level it, reshoot it again, and do the same thing with clear. So, so it's multiple coats and multiple sanding where a regular car that you buy at the Honda dealership. Yeah, yes. yeah well, it's, it's not a production-friendly process. If you're having to sand between each stage, think of that, trying to do that on an assembly line, then you're doing you know, hundreds of cars. Your later. Honda Civic is going to cost $110,000. <laughs> <laughs> and well, those, those robots are working really hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Well, not That's only true. that, the, the material has been, is, the amount of material is metered. I mean, it's thin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, down to the milliliter. Yeah, you know that for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's all cost-effective. Yeah. You know? But not a lot of material on the factory paint. I heard years ago um, from some random person that, uh, like, dealerships w- didn't want to pay for the, the amount of power in the heat that was used to bake the paint. So they came up with, is that you? Some Jason, random person? Jason discussed that. Is that, that. true? Mm-hmm. Uh, finish your statement, and then I'll tell you. <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> Answer the question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I have your pulse right now going up and down on the screen. Um, there was, I, I don't know exactly what I'm saying, but I remember something along the lines of cars were going through the booth and getting, they didn't want to use the power. Like the. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You follow okay, what I'm okay, saying? Okay, I don't know what, what I'm asking. Yeah. No, the situation is um, in the refinish industry, they spray paint and then they bake it. That's it. They force cure the paint. Which right. is like a lot of heat. Yeah. Which is it's money. Right. A lot of energy. Yeah. A lot of energy to put the car in a booth and heat it up and bake paint. Well, the paint industry responded to this by creating a paint that cured without putting it into a booth and baking it. So is that the norm now? Am I like behind that? Um, in high volume painting environments like an auction, uh, where they're painting a lot of cars, like several hundred a day, that sort of thing. And the uh, vehicle processing centers, they've switched to this. So I think people are going to be thinking what I'm thinking. So we're we talking like Ford, Honda, like big companies. Are they going like, yeah, eh, we don't need to, to spend $100,000 a month on heating bills? No, it, it literally is saving hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars for high-volume facilities that are painting. And um, so what does that translate down to the guy detailing a car? Um, How do you approach that? Well, you're dealing with largely air-cured paints versus forced baked paints. I mean, but to the end, to the detailer, I don't think it's going to matter. It's cured, it's cured. I don't, I don't. It only matters to the professional detailer that happens to get exposed to those kind of cars, like coming out of an auction or coming out of a facility that's using this particular chemistry of clear. And the reason it affects them is there's a very tight window. Uh, they call it a sanding and buffing window, but it's a certain amount of time that you need to do whatever defect removal, defect correction within a certain amount of time because after that, the clear is going to turn to concrete. It's going to be very hard. Which reminds me, Kevin, when you were doing that car, you said it was very fresh paint. Now, is there something you need to be thinking about? So, and try to think about the guy listening to this right now. Somebody gets a, one of their customers comes in and says, hey, my car was hit, blah, blah, blah. I just got it two weeks ago. It's been sanded, whatever. 
Is there a, a, something he needs to change in his mind when they're polishing that car? You know, well, because it's fresh us, paint. It was so fresh, and we knew that if you were too aggressive with it, meaning too much heat, pressure, speed, it will swell up. It will. The heat will install. Well, you're installing energy basically into the paint. If you believe that paint is a structure, like a sponge, when it's dry, mm-hmm. and then you add. In the case of the sponge, you add water and it expands. You've added something into the structure, causing it to expand and stay there until it evaporates. Mm-hmm. Similar kind of thing if you have solvent or, or heat. So we start to polish. The friction from the pad creates heat, which causes the paint to swell and open up. And the solvents in the liquids enter much more readily. So you stop polishing, wipe it off. It looks great. But over the next several hours or days... You might come back and say, wow, that looked perfect, and now I see haziness. I see pad haze because... Didn't that it, happen last year? Were we talking about that last year? We probably have talked about it several times. We talked about it when we were discussing... No, no, not on the podcast. I don't oh. think we ever talked about this. This is pretty fascinating. But I remember talking to you years past, being like, yeah, we did, or somebody, there's a story, and then it... Uh, well, it's common. It, it's, well, it's, it's typical. We, and guys that are in the industry will sometimes call it uh, fillers. They say, well, this must have fillers because it looked good three days ago. Well, it's different to fill a surface, a scratch, with temporary oils or resins or waxes. That's different than swell. It's just like if you, if I put something on your skin. Mm. That, you like that, that sexy skin? skin. Yeah. Yeah. It's different Nobody than told me I was going to be a person. Energy, <laughs> a bee stung you and swelled up your skin. Uh, it would look really smooth for a few days, and then once the infection or damage went away, it would look normal again and wrinkly. All right, so let me say it in human words because you're on a different planet <laughs> so when the paint is new and it's soft and you're polishing it you're introducing heat correct me when i'm wrong correct here. when you introduce heat it swells correct the compounds liquid solvents all the fun stuff that's in the compound or whatever polish is then easily because the pores are open or whatever potentially easier potentially easier to penetrate that paint Especially under force of a pad and a motion. Of course, you're pounding machine. it yeah, in. You're forcing, metaphorically you're speaking. forcing against the surface. Right? So once it's in and it's expanded, it looks fantastic. You say, oh, my God, I'm the greatest detail in the world. Then it cools, I guess, well, and it contracts. Coo- it cools and looks cools good, and but there's, there's cooling, so it traps it, it traps that material in there. I'm with you. Keep going. Get, take me home here. Yeah. Then and, what happens? And depending upon the environment it's in, it makes expand rapidly if you go out in the sun and drive around or it may take days if you leave it in the garage but eventually those solvents or, or liquids are going to escape out gas out evaporate and then what does it look like when it out when you'll see the true finish you'll see where where there was initially the swelling and that goes away you'll now see pad haze that was not visible before again much like if you had a bee sting and you it was really smooth and you didn't have any wrinkles on your hand where it was stung but as the sting went away it would, the wrinkles would return same kind of effect so is that is this a real concern for the people listening it's one of the biggest concerns that so how do you prevent face. this i i got my chevy blah 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 repainted uh the guys at the body shop i'm this is a scenario the guys at the body shop didn't do a great job it looks whatever. I'm a perfectionist. I want to make it perfect. I bring it to Joe Blow. Joe Blow's down the street. It's been exactly a week. It hasn't been touched. It's been in my garage and the whole you know, the same story we always hear. I think I, Joe Fernandez is going to take offense. To oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's true. <laughs> that's funny. I walked into that one. Uh-oh. So Bobby Joe uh, wants to bring it down to the detailer. What is that detailer? So I go up to him, uh, pretending to be the client. 
and I say, it just got repainted. Please make this look perfect because I want it to be back. It got hit in a parking lot, whatever. It doesn't matter. What does that person need to do to test, to feel? Or, no, 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 we can't touch it for another 60 days. Or you get where I'm going with that? How can we help someone that a customer comes in and says it's been repainted? Is there something? You, have a, you guys get what I'm Do you know what I'm saying? I know you're coming I just from. mangled so, that question, but you get me? In my opinion, so you do what, you're, what Kevin had explained. After time, and no one, there's, there's no exact amount of time that has to pass where if, those, if you did a really good job, you'll be able to see it after all those solvents and chemicals and wax escape. But it could be days, it could be a week. You could wipe it with IPA like we normally do. But even then, Which that it's, can absorb as well. But, absorb but as from well. a professional standpoint, do you go like, it's, you know what, it's not worth my time, like, or this is insane, I'm going to set myself up for failure? If Meaning you, if that you, customer comes in and says, ten, it's been 10 days, you go like, well, come back and see me in 60 days. Is that what you say well, or no? You know, you could do a simple test. You can, if you start polishing the paint and you smell solvent, it's a pretty good indicator that there's still solvent left in the paint that needs to escape. Yeah. So it's not stable. I would call, I would call, I would say in general, define it as stable paint, meaning it's gone through its process of catalyzing, evaporating solvents. It doesn't need to be Stable. I know the textbook thing is 60 to 90 days, right? Is that well, that's, fair? That's the, the accepted recommendation. It's not accurate. I mean, I can say with certainty our, our demo hoods that are in the booth right now, um, they were painted 40, 40 days ago, roughly, finished. Um, you're doing light buffing on them. They're fine. And, and Kevin or Jason might be able to explain this way better than I do. They have an excellent way of making me feel very stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but do it so casually <laughs> I that, do I, that, too that, that it doesn't hurt so bad. But um, the the if, if we're if we're demoing the tool and showing misuse on intention, you know, showing the polisher doesn't bog down so easily, and we're pressing really hard, you buff that spot for long enough, get that paint hot enough. We are starting to smell solvent. We've been polishing those things normally all day. There seems to be a certain point where enough heat is introduced or enough intentional uh, abuse we're yeah. starting to smell solvent again and you know, we're 45 days in and i would assume that this paint was mostly cured at this point so normal buffing cycles it seems fine but you get abusive with it and all of a sudden so there's still a layer or something there's still solvent in there Do you see how i'm trying to pin well, you guys or down something else entered, i think the answer you're looking you re- for you introduced solvents in it and it shriveled up and held them in there until the next time you buffed but in this case with this paint job it was fresh and we can even do a simple test that Joe Fernandez taught me, which is press against it with your thumb or your finger, hold it there for five or six seconds, and remove your thumb. And if you see an imprint of your fingerprint, not just a smudge, but it actually physically changes the shape of the paint, yeah, you can you can always watch it just slowly disappear. Yeah, disappear. you can actually put it in the sun, and five ten minutes later, it will your fingerprint. And so, what does that indicate? That you it shouldn't be polishing it's not, that. It's not fully cross-linked. Yeah, you if you can, you can polish it. You just have to be aware that it may become uh, it, what you see today may not be what you see tomorrow. All right, so it's l- going to change. Let me try to do this breakdown one more time and tell me if this is right. Because I like to try to make it short and sweet. If a customer comes in and says. Um, Hey, I just got my car repainted a week ago, 10 days ago, 20 days. It's freshly repainted. Oh, thank you, Mr. Customer. One of the things that you can do, I guess maybe when he's not standing there, get him, you know, buy him a coffee or something. Stick your finger, uh, like as if you're given a fingerprint, you know, when you, you know when you get arrested last week. When you put your finger on it, we are in Vegas. <laughs> we are in Vegas, that's right. And, and push for five seconds and... Or should we not be recommending? We should be recommending to the average person. But you said a detailer. Should, how, yeah. how will he know to gauge if that paint's ready? 
So well, here, here's another. You I see mean, what I'm trying to ask and trying to pin you guys down, and we're, you're all slipping out of my question here. <laughs> no comment. Um, yes. So the the fingerprint test, um, it'll tell you if you're under cured at that moment in time. Okay. But the other variable, and there's lots of variables being uh, affected by this conversation, but the other variable is if the painter mixed the paint improperly before they sprayed it. You can actually get chronically undercured paint. So you can thumbprint it today, and then uh, a year from now, you can thumbprint it again. Uh, that is a chronically undercured. It will never cross link, never be fully cured. What, what do you, you normally refer to that as, like the, the creamy peanut butter underneath or yeah, something? Yeah, exactly. When you're talking to me about it, yeah. So that's a, that's a situation that a detailer is not going to be able to fix. Do you, do you know, I, you, don't, you, you may not know, but do you know what the problem is? Or yeah, no? they, they... What's like the, give me the chemical problem? Hey, they didn't put enough solvent in it or whatever. No, I do. I know exactly. Um, so clear coat is, is a catalyzed product so a a is mixed with b and you get c that's right? a catal catalyzed product yeah okay so you mix these two things together then there's what's called a pot life you have so many minutes or hours or whatever you got to spray this or that starts curing in the pot sure you know, in your spray gun so um what happens is a and b get mixed together but the problem with um painters in different climates is it's actually A mixed with B1 or maybe B2 or maybe B3. Based on the environment? Based on your ambient temperature. Humidity levels. Based on humidity. So if the guy doesn't check the chart and actually look at today's humidity and today's temperature and mix it with the, the proper catalyzer, uh, A plus B2, you know, whatever it is, uh, then that clear coat's going to come out either under or over cured. It's going to accelerate really fast, or it's going to like not fully cross. Things. I think that was that was super valuable for everyone listening because finding the right body shop. I mean that that seems like pretty damn pretty damn important. It is because then it I is. feel like I I have an issue with holding the bag. I, that's my little thing. I hate the guy. I'm the guy holding the bag at the end. So if the painter messed up, and, I'm just, and the customer comes to me, and then there's nothing I can do in this example that we're talking about. You're the guy holding the bag, but in in the in the in this example, it's really the, the painter well, the, miss. You know, and Derek, Derek, and and Kevin have come across this so many times, given the kind of customer base that you guys are against um, Derek. And so, if you have a car that had challenges after it was sprayed, sanding and buffing, if they had just had issues and they were complaining, or if you have a car that over time they're just saying this is such a pain in the you know what. Mm -hmm. to, to sand and buff, and we're always having issues with it. Well, you know what? A red flag should go off and say, maybe it's not the detailer. Maybe it's the clear coat itself. Maybe the clear coat itself was not mixed properly, right? right? I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah, but you've got to trace it back. Yeah. You know, we've done everything we can. It's not going anywhere. It's not getting any better. I mean, whether, that's whether like 30 years the, of education. I mean, uh, I want to say education. Oh, more than that. It's like... I don't know. I, I'm, we were, I was nervous, like, hey, we didn't have enough to talk about and all that, whatever. This right here, that's what I was talking about. So now that young person who wants the detail, we talked about that. We talked about this, and he's listening. And he goes, okay, fine. Maybe he doesn't encounter this for two years, and as he goes up the rank, and now he's doing Ferraris or whatever. And this happens. He'll maybe think back and say, maybe it isn't me. Hey, Mr. Yeah. Customer, you ever thought, like, who, where did you get this done? His brain will start thinking on a different level as opposed to, I just can't get this out. I'm doing something wrong. I feel bad. i got to get out of the bit. You see where yeah, I'm going yeah. with that well, question? And with with experience, you, you start to understand 
hey, this isn't me. I had, I've seen this mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And you come back to that, and the, and, and the scratches are still there that you had buffed on for an hour or whatever. Have you? You know, because we have obsessive compulsive. I mean, that's what we do. So if we can't get it out, I mean, I really get like depressed. You fixate, you yeah. fixate on it, and we've all, I think, yeah. in various stages of our careers, have all been up against something, and you just sit there and you try every possible option you can think of, and you're still struggling. You go, man, I. You, you start to doubt yourself mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, and it, you don't want to immediately jump to the blame the painter, but um, I just blame Kevin, and I'm yeah. totally cool. Afterwards. Generally, that's the same that's way, the way I get away with it. He gave me bad advice over the phone as I'm crying. I've, it's funny because I call Kevin on random things just to talk about it, but there is times I call him like, Kevin, I, I can't shut this. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> the quivering bottom lost. lip. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. All right, calm down, calm down. What are we doing? And so it's. It's interesting to have those conversations with such a fine man like yourself. Thank you. <laughs> Larry, Larry, the good news is, is when uh, when you get really frustrated and you quit detailing, yeah. um, that's what me and Jason did. We just went to work for Rupus. Oh, yeah. all right. So you go to work for the manufacturer, yeah, and then you don't like, have to detail anymore. Oh, right? excellent. <laughs> Might be in my future. I love that. Okay, cool. Get frustrated enough. All right, so we're at 36 minutes. I have uh, another four or five minutes. I just want to make one last point about SEMA and make some uh, very generalized uh, I know you guys got to do your thing over here, but um, I seem to notice, and I'm sure all of you know where I'm going with this, it's not really the detailing section anymore. I believe they call it the coding section. <laughs> Every brother, Everybody and their brother has another coding. There's lots of codings. Yeah. And I want to be specific on what I say by codings. Uh, I mean a ceramic, or Jason, are you ready? Don't jump off the, the, the ledge here. A glass coating. Oh, oh no. Jason loves that yes. term. It's one of his favorites. Oh. Yeah, some whiskers fell out of his beard right there. <laughs> um, so am I losing my mind, or does everybody have some sort of glass? And there's literally people, When if you come here, you'll see there's actually, whether it's glass or not, it remains to be seen, but something that looks like glass broken and put on the table as part of the demonstration. Yeah. Mm, crystallized product. And, yes. Mm. Do you agree that there's glass everywhere, glass coatings everywhere? There's coatings, yes. <laughs> he won't say glass. Wow. <laughs> yeah, say, say it. Say it. Say it. <laughs> hey, I wish we had a glass on the table. Hey, would you hand me that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I think uh, that's a wild trend um, that may or may not be here for, for very long. But I think the, one of the things that I really wanted to, to sort of leave with everybody as, as we're exiting this, uh, this podcast here is make sure you read a lot of the claims. Because as soon as, as soon as it sounds too good to be true, in my opinion, it most likely is. Something says whatever you, you know, 450 degrees Fahrenheit burning off. The, just FYI, the car will... Survives nuclear holocaust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you a, can yeah. drive it into the sun. Yeah, 10-year yeah. <laughs> warranty, and, you know, you got to maintain it. This, uh, I, yeah. I mean, I've sat in the back of some of these these things and just rolled my eyes and said, oh, gosh. But uh, I would say that they're, they do something. There's no doubt about that. They're, you know, the very strong sealant kind of yeah, they're, protection. They're adding protection. That's the, There's no doubt about yeah. it. Um, how much... And the what value, type? What type? Yeah. I mean, I, I just have to roll my eyes. So I just want to be, and I also understand, and I'm sympathetic to the fact that if customer wants what they want, you know, you're you're in. They've been sold on a on a system before I, they I, even came to you. I I totally understand that, and I'm again sympathetic to the fact that you have to make money and do what you got to do, and totally cool with that. But I think uh, this won't be the last time we have a conversation about this, and I think the tide is a is a turn, and I, I see the train. Coming, and it's not that coatings aren't going to be here. I don't think heading that. towards a cliff of uh, misrepresentation. That, that's Is that a, what you're thank saying. You, thank you. Yeah. So I don't. I, you had some good analogies. I just want to be very clear that I'm not saying coatings are good or coatings are bad or coatings are not going to be here. I'm just saying we are setting ourselves up for a little bit of 
uh, an awakening when the customers start to realize that the claims that some uh, coatings make, I'm choosing my words carefully. Well, none of them that you talk about that take their coating and make it harden and look like broken glass. Yeah, on the table, yeah. Okay, put that in a bottle of, or put that in a glass of alcohol, put that in a glass of mineral spirits, put that in a glass of lacquer thinner, put that in another solvent, and let's see what it looks like in an hour. You do that with automotive paint, it's probably going to look like automotive paint. They're not complete fools in the automotive paint industry. They do things for expansion and contraction and durability. That's and super important. And now everybody's bragging on hardness. Well, it has to expand and contract with the rate of the paint. Not every car is a candidate, nor should it be, for a coating. That being said, those A coating like that, that doesn't yeah. expand and contract. I great. Agree okay, you, you poured out your coating and it hardened. It looks like... A glass rock. Okay, Honestly, no. I, I feel like I'm. I, I'm just gonna say because you guys, it's my podcast. I don't care. <laughs> I just, I, I just, it's say a it, bunch Larry. of. It's just a bunch of bullshit. Sometimes I look at it and it's like it's like a sales thing. I feel like I'm getting sold. You know, come one, come all. We got the glass coating. Well, blah, 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 blah. I'm I like, think what the hell are you talking the about? Most reputable oil, yeah. companies. Yes, they're not oily. doing that. They're, but there is, again. I want to say for the record, there is. There is a level of protection. So say what you said before, yes. like we were talking about the other night when yeah. this conversation was happening, is that I get asked that question. I don't even we, we don't have a coating, but for some reason, because I'm standing next to Jason Rose, mm-hmm. and by default, I'm kind of associated with him. I guess. Yes. The question Sorry is asked, which yeah, I know it's unfortunate. <laughs> um, the 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 question is, which what, what coating do you endorse? What coating would you use if you were doing this? And I, I tell people. Here's the deal. It's it, it, there's two factors I look at, two measurable factors for me, anyways. If I'm in your business, is one, what is it? What's the application process like for you? Is it ridiculously complicated? Is there 85 coats? Do you need specialized heat lamps and need to work in a clean room wearing a you know a, a, a <laughs> is it like a BMW uh, yeah. uh, brochure? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Super I mean, big. Yeah. Like, step one, and then you flip to the back. Step 382. You got to hold the applicator between your you know, <laughs> yeah. digit. The manual is so big, we stopped printing it. It's that's actually only on DVD now. So thumb drive. But the second thing, I mean, and then that's that's the most important piece. If you're if you're so ease of use, ease of use. Is for you know you're trying to make money, get it done fast. But the second thing is, and, and maybe more importantly, is that it's actually delivering on the claims that it makes for your customers. Because ultimately, um, the product isn't going to have to stand up to those claims. You are you're the guy who put it on the car for the customer. So mm-hmm. make sure that you can quantify or verify or at least believe that the, the guy selling you the coating that you're going to sell to somebody else can be tested, verified for the claims that it makes. There are cl- coatings out there that are making, I would I would say, fairly accurate claims, and then they're the ones that are making the you know, nuclear nuclear holocaust yeah. level protection. And I claims. think that kind of thing is overall bringing down that, that it's, industry. It's, I don't think, you know, yeah. it's bad for the industry as a whole, but yeah. specifically that category. It's yeah. the car amplifier wars. You know, yeah. There's protected distributors. You're the guy in this area for brand A coding. You're the guy for brand B. The guy in the next town can't sell brand A. So why do you think all these coatings are coming out? Because they're all in protected territories and they can't get it. So they're going to sell against each other. It's that's actually really. You have to trust your insights around this. And when he speaks, man, it just I, the like world I said, stops. It's a regular basis. I listen to podcasts or casually listen to him speak, and he has a very casual way of making me. I'm not joking. Feel, that was actually very, pretty, very no, It's just like being a crafty. <laughs> we talked about we talked about being a part of an association last night. We did. I'm not going to say which one. And when you want a craft done. You go and say, well, are you part of the Craftsman Association for Woodworkers and Cabinets? No. You say, hey, Joe, your cabinets are killer. I want the name to that guy that did your cabinets. He may not even be educated, but he's fantastic. I, You're I agree. hiring a craftsman. Now, we, we got into the subject of well, how, what about the, 
you know, the ASC, which is fantastic. That's a safety. That's a safety thing. You can't have people working on your brakes and transmissions and things without knowing for a fact that they're doing things safely because there's a liability there. Lives are at stake. In that case, an association helps the dealer hire qualified people. And people have come accustomed to seeing that ASC certified at all the dealerships where they go. Now, if they didn't have an ASC certified sign on the wall, would they still trust the dealer? Probably. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what I'm saying is you got to trust the detailer. So if he's selling a coating and he's recommending a coating, it's, he's probably vetted it well, and, he, and your friends are recommending him to you, or you've seen vehicles he's done that are you know, outstanding, you have to use a judgment. Yeah. Whatever they're selling, the brand they're selling, it may change tomorrow because they got upset about that guy that's... They raised selling. my prices. How dare they? Or you open <laughs> and there's a, and there's a lot of that. I guess I'm just... They're not bad, and I'm not trying to say coatings are bad. I I think they're they're the they next their evolution. Place. They're an evolution, yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I, I think, think people are enough. reading between the lines and hearing yeah. us loud and clear. The, the, the bottom line again, is, you know, hire a good detailer. Hire a good detailer, but you know, what, pick pick the the product that isn't you know uh, offering you the world at the yeah. same time. Like you know, a better coating is not as good as a properly installed coating. <laughs> that that is absolutely true. true. So ease of installation and then claims. Uh, be, be comfortable that you can back the claim up. If, yes. if a guy does call you, very rarely is a customer going to call you out on a claim. But if somebody was motivated enough to do so, do you want to be the guy that has to answer for it? And they go, oh, that's what the factory rep told me. You then look unqualified. You look like you didn't search out the facts and, and qualify the coding and put your name on it. Because ultimately, like I said, the, the product isn't going to carry the blame. It's going to be you. you. The installer is going to carry the blame. Yeah. So I feel pretty good about having that little conversation. Mm -hmm. So, uh Take it for exactly what we said. Don't read any more into that. But um, all right, let's uh, wind up here. It's uh, we're at exactly forty-five minutes. Huge thank you to you guys for for hanging out here and, and doing the thing. Of course, Jason Rose. Uh, give thank me a you, plug. Larry. Yeah, no worries. I appreciate uh, it. Rupes, do you want to give any uh, plug or information? Email, whatever. Bigfoot Nano Hybrid Technology. Good. Yes. You want people to contact you or just want oh. to be left alone? <laughs> this is J Jason R. at RupusUSA.com. All right. Put me to sleep with that one. Yes. That's why he's not the marketing guy. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. What is your title? Uh, officially? Yes. Manager of Marketing Logistics for the U.S. So, Got you. Fun. Got you. And but he takes the trash out and sweeps. Clean bathrooms. Yeah. Generally, yeah. I'm Jason Rose's personal assistant. <laughs> 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 Uh, email anything or don't contact you at all. Dylan V at Rupus USA. All, all the questions about marketing sent over to him. Yeah. Mr. Bemis. Oh, as always, thank you for having us here. Oh, it's a pleasure. And uh, detailworks.net. Yes. And you're you in what me. area? Because a lot of people keep asking me about, hey, do you know a guy in such and such? And I'm tired of emailing you. I am in Call South, him directly. South Orange County. Yes. And you travel where to like Omaha and everything, right? You, that's your distance? <laughs> yeah. New okay. York. I, I will travel. Yes. All right. So detailworks.net. Uh, yes, sir. And uh, email just so they can contact you and stop calling uh, me. Detailworks1 at gmail. At, at gmail.com. Yes. The man. And then the the, the brown. Buffdaddy.com. There it is. Yes. You just said it. Do you want people emailing you? It's right on the site. Right on the site? Right on the site. MrBuffDaddy.com. And I want to thank your fans. Yes. That you forward so many people to I me. do forward a lot of and people I to you. I try my best to get to your Try better, your because then they email me back and say, "Why isn't he emailing me back?" Well, I'll just start. I'll start copying it too. I'll forward it so you can. Oh, see every that's exactly what I want. I want more emails exactly. from you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear the entire conversation that you have. Yeah. 
So good. BuffDaddy.com. As always, um, huge thank you to MagnaFlow uh, Exhaust. They were super cool to have us in here for the podcast. What? It's like the siding area. This thing's Oh, yeah. yeah we're right massive. in the middle of everything right now. I feel Feeling, very important. Uh, yeah, well. And and, and um, about, and about 10 seconds, you won't feel important anymore when we're Get out of here. <laughs> Get out. Take your mics with you. Yes. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, visit me at AmmoNYC.com. Visit my uh, YouTube page, uh, AmmoNYC.com. How ironic is that? Of course, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all that stuff. Huge thank you to Jalopnik and, uh, of course, Chris Hayes at uh, ShoutEngine.com. If you guys want a podcast, go to ShoutEngine.com. Thank you, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Bye.